Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to our show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, all of which are available, volumes one through nine, at Amazon in ebook, paperback, and Kindle, if that's your bag, man. And if you're into the audio scene, you can get volumes one through eight at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. And don't forget my latest book, UFO, Sightings and Encounters, Volume 1, W.J. Sheehan. That's in paperback and ebook at Amazon. Great, great book. Over 50 accounts of bizarre sightings of UFOs globally, including some of my own. Now, as I begin today, I'm once again doing a solo podcast. Uh, Time restraints between my brother and I and all of the activity around my wife. Keep praying for Paula. She's eight months into this ordeal now and uh, once again institutionalized in Manhattan under doctor's care. Uh, It's been a rough, rough road for her and myself, more so her. I thank God for the many listeners who have befriended uh, during my time doing this podcast, who have been an immeasurable help to me as a resource for just having somebody to talk to and talk through. Uh, during this ordeal with my wife. Uh, You have no idea what your friendship and the time you spend speaking with me and allowing me to bounce things off of you and get your invaluable opinions on has meant to me. So I thank God for all of you out there who are supporting me and praying for Paula uh, during this time, my hope is that down the road a piece, things are going to change for the better, and I will certainly tell you when that happens. So today, I know you're listening. I know you're faithful. We have so many listeners. I'm going to get into a couple of short encounters here, one or two, and. Uh, We'll kick it around a little bit. You know, my passion is the hairy man. And, uh, of course, doing this podcast, 
I'm amazed continually, continually at how many of you, like myself, who have experienced one thing, uh, let's call it supernatural, have also experienced more things in the supernatural realm. For instance, I have had angelic encounters. I've had UFO encounters. Some people have found themselves in a haunted house and then have had a Bigfoot encounter. There's no explanation for that to me. I don't understand it. I don't know why it has happened to me. So how can I know why it happened to you? But it seems that some people are more open to these experiences or allowed to have them, if you will, than others. Uh, Again, I have no explanation. There's no rationale. There's no book written uh, by some purported expert as to why these things happen. But they're real. They're ongoing. And that's the business I'm in. So if you've seen something or experienced something, say something. Contact us at BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Hit the contact button and reach out to me and share what it is you've experienced. I'm going to get into something a little bit here. This story was told to me, account, testimony, whatever you want to call it, by a fellow named Ronaldo Espinoza, who resides in Washington State. This is what Ronaldo testified of as to what he saw by the Smith River. Now, if you have any further details on the areas that I speak about during the podcast, I'd love for you to contact me, and perhaps it will spark you to share something you've experienced in the same area. Ronaldo begins like this. First of all, Bill, may I say that it is a pleasure to speak to you, to have an opportunity to share what it is that I saw last fall in the upper Smith River region while I was fishing. I'm a short-order cook, and my working hours vary throughout the week. I've been living and working here for about 12 years now after leaving Guatemala and becoming a U.S. citizen. I've been fishing for my entire life and had embraced a new style of fishing shortly after coming to the Hayuchi and Gasquet region. Some of my favorite spots here are Patrick Creek and South Fork to Jones Creek on Big Flat. Seasonally, I am fishing for trout, steelhead, silverside, chinook, and cutthroat. My favorite thing about fishing is bringing the catch back to the restaurant for the crew to cook and eat. This is truly one of the joys of my life. On this particular day, the end of steelhead and trout season was closing in, and I had decided to hike into an area on Patrick's Creek where I do very well. I've pulled some fish out of there north of 20 pounds and was looking forward to more of that that day or this day. I was working one side of the creek facing a hillside covered in pines with some patches of grass when I noticed some of the trees on the slope shaking violently. I'd never seen anything like this before in all the time I had been fishing. This tree shaking lasted maybe a minute or so before it stopped. Even though I was looking and listening in earnest, 
I could not see or hear any other activity. I kept fishing and watching when after a half an hour I heard what sounded like one piece of wood knocking against another piece of wood. It was one singular knocking sound, and it seemed to be coming from some distance away, although I had no way of telling how far exactly. Just after the knocking sound, the trees started shaking opposite from me as they had earlier. So now I knew whatever had been there was still there, and I could see nothing but the trees shaking. The trees on that slope, by the way, were perhaps 20 to 40 feet tall, with hundreds and hundreds of smaller ones growing around and under them. It was a short time later that a small piece of dead timber came flying down, splashing into the creek to my left-hand side. I could see it in the water. It was maybe two feet long and, say, six inches in diameter, like a small log. This log did not fall from a tree. There were no branches overhanging the creek at this place. Only moments later, another piece of wood came flying down, this time hitting my fishing line, pulling my rod tip down and causing me to jump. It was followed almost immediately by yet another piece being thrown from some 50 feet to my left into the river. This time, I actually saw it coming from out of the trees on the opposite slope of the creek. I shouted, Why are you throwing things at me? And then everything stopped. It was shortly after that when things started to get very strange, as if what I have already told you wasn't strange enough. Unexpectedly, I started to hear two separate voices having what sounded like an argument in a weird language. Now, I speak fluent Spanish and English, but this was really strange. One voice was louder and deeper than the other, but both very loud. For lack of any other way of describing what I was hearing, I'd have to say it sounded like two Russians having a heated dispute. Let me pause here just for a minute. How many times during this podcast have we heard or spoken about together about people referring to what they hear as being Russian? They're hearing something. They don't know what to describe it as. But in the American mind, this language sounds like a couple of Russian people talking. And I even had the one Russian professor at one time, you may recall if you're an old timer to the podcast, who said that he thought it sounded like some type of Siberian dialect that he was unfamiliar with. Let's move on. They were going back and forth, talking over each other and getting alternately louder and softer. It almost sounded like a cat fight in a human language. While this fight was going on, I decided to grab my gear and get out of there while I could. No sooner had I started walking away than the arguing stopped, and I didn't hear another thing coming out of the trees on the slope. To me, it seemed that something didn't want me there, 
which is why the throwing of the logs had begun. I then realized there must have been one of whatever it was, and the knock that I heard was some type of locator signal. Very interesting. This explains the two logs being thrown from two different locations and the ensuing argument coming from two separate voices. Yet, through all of this, I hadn't seen anything coming or going or moving around. The only things I saw were the trees shaking and the logs being thrown into the river. Of course, I also heard these strange speaking voices of which I already told you. Very interesting indeed. And once again, we have an individual who's out there. We can infer from his testimony on a regular basis uh, fishing this area, which he's taken a shine to. The other thing I'd like to point out is that when you are familiar with an area, you've been there before, a path you've hiked, a place you like to jog, somewhere you like to hunt or ride your mountain bike, in this case, Ronaldo fishing, one becomes very familiar with what is and what is not right when they are there. Let me give you an example. The sounds of the wildlife in the area. The feeling of peace you get or tranquility when you go there that is one day broken. Maybe that day you feel anxious. A foreboding sense of doom or danger. You need to honor that, my friends. That is a God-given warning sign that something is not right and you need to leave and you need to leave now. One of the reasons I end my show with always carry more gun than you think you're going to need is because I firmly believe that. I've said many times, if you have an encounter with Bigfoot and go home, in my opinion, you've had a very, very good day. These creatures are not friendly, in my opinion. They're not to be trifled with or taken lightly. I think the proof is out there already that these things will kill you at the drop of a pin if you catch them at the wrong moment on the wrong day. Be it hungry or out of anger, they will take your life. And that will be the end of it, won't it? The Russian dialect is also, as I've already said, Very intriguing to me that it's come up many times. Some people have said it sounded like Chinese people barking out orders in a fast food restaurant. And to us, it sounds strange, right? We speak English. To them, we sound strange. No offense to my Russian or Chinese listeners. But it's merely an observation by the listener trying to describe what it is they're experiencing. We don't have words to fully uh, envelop or describe to somebody else a Bigfoot encounter or a UFO encounter. Uh, It's so bizarre and so out of the box that you're strapped 
and hoping that people aren't going to make fun of you and uh, jest with you about this serious matter that has occurred in your life. The second encounter was brought to my attention by a 99-year-old man named Olaf Wolf, a Norwegian immigrant who lived in Wisconsin his entire life. This is what he had to share. In the 1950s, some of the gentlemen that I knew used to do a fair amount of hunting, mainly for waterfowl and grouse. One of our favorite hunting areas at the time was the Tiffany Wildlife Area, located on the floodplain and delta of the Chippewa River. It's maybe a mile or so northwest of Nelson, Wisconsin. It was a floodplain when the water levels were up, which they were this particular year. And this area could not be beat for duck hunting. In the interior portion, the wildlife area is mostly what is known as river bottomland, which is made up of sloughs, small lakes, and swamps that are prone to flooding when the water level of the Chippewa rises. At the time, the total area of the preserve was over 10,000 acres, and it also included a large timbered forest. Some of the best deer hunting in the state was to be had right there. There was also a good deal of fur trapping for beaver, otter, mink, and muskrats. We would go here maybe twice a year to hunt grouse and squirrels. On this particular day, I and two other gentlemen were walking on the border of the timber and the edge of the floodplain. We had gotten into a few grouse, and as we followed their movements, we wound up in this area where we had now an excellent view of the Chippewa and a large tract of flooded marshland. The men and I noticed that we th- what we thought to be a man returning across the marsh from what we assumed was a duck hunt. At the time, we thought that we would catch up with him to chat, since the direction of his travel appeared that it would meet up with ours as we all walked. As the distance closed between us, we soon realized that this figure wasn't a hunter at all. We were all now convinced that what we were looking at seemed to be a large gorilla of some sort walking across the marsh. The creature appeared to be thigh-deep in the flooded grass and was still able to walk with considerable speed. This was something that a man in waders simply could not do. As the creature made its way through the flooded area, it proceeded to then drop to all fours, increasing its speed exponentially. Now, on all fours, this beast was galloping at the speed of a greyhound, covering several hundred yards in what seemed like seconds, 
disappearing into the forest. The speed with which this ape was able to travel made me unsure if I could have caught up with it in a motor vehicle. We walked over to where we had seen it emerge, and the water was almost four feet deep. All of us now knew that this beast's stature was enormous. Now knowing that this gorilla was some nine feet tall, we were left wondering how such a creature had found its way into this area. You have to keep in mind that at this point in time, we, as many others, were quite ignorant of the fact that it could be something other than a gorilla. Having said as much, that in and of itself was a challenge to us all mentally. But the greater questions were where had it come from and where would it go? Absolutely incredible. Where had it come from and where would it go? My friends, people are seeing these creatures peering in their house windows, rocking their trailers, dragging their hands along their tents in the middle of the night, walking across fields, trying to snatch a fish in a creek or a river. They're everywhere. Every state in the Union, I would say, has some of these creatures there. There has to be thousands of them. And then if we consider what is going on globally, perhaps tens of thousands. Many people say continually, well, if they're alive, why don't we have any skeletons? The simple truth is, as I believe it, they bury their dead. And if they bury their dead, they bury them in the woods, and more than likely in the woods where no homes or buildings are ever going to be built. So the likelihood of you finding anything buried in the ground, uh, in the Kootenay, or the Smith River, or the protected forest in this uh woodland, a floodplain that we just spoke of, is next to Slim and none, and Slim just left. My opinion is there is no chance of you finding a Bigfoot skeleton. Yes, I do believe some of these creatures, as I've spoken of before, are from the demonic realm. And That's a story for another podcast and something we've kicked around ad nauseum for the past several years. I don't understand all of this, and neither do you, if you'll be honest with yourself. There are no experts. I am no expert. I make no claims to have expertise in Bigfoot or UFO or angelic encounters or anything else. I'm simply presenting to you what I've experienced and now what others have experienced. What's going on out there? I don't know. When will they be seen next? Probably today by somebody who won't say anything. 
the most telling tales come from you, all listeners. And I continue to encourage you to reach out to me, to bear what it is you have seen. Tell me what you've seen. And I will share them openly with the rest of the listening audience. Folks, we have a huge audience of listeners. Uh, I ask all of you, as I come to a close with this podcast for today, to lift up my wife, Paula, in your prayers for healing and restoration. And I also ask you, as I always do, to show some support for the podcast by purchasing books, audio, reading the books on Kindle. It's all grist for the mill, and it tells me that you like what I'm doing and what my brother is doing. (coughs) Excuse me. And as I end, may I say this, as I always do. If you find yourself stomping around in the woods... You better remember one thing, my friends. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. You may need it. Sleep tight.